What's up, guys? This is Jared Graybill, and you're listening to the Live Well, Lead Well podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to episode seven of the Live Well, Lead Well podcast and YouTube channel. Uh, on today's episode, we have a, a good friend of mine, um, sort of a mentor of mine, Pastor Drew King, who is the chief business pastor, officer, officer of Celebration Church. And um, we're super, super excited to have him on the show. Uh, with this podcast, we want to educate people not only on health and wellness, but business leadership and entrepreneurship. So we think that this episode will add a lot of value of you uh, or to you guys out there that are really interested in that component. Um, so Drew, if you don't mind, could you introduce yourself to the camera and tell us a little bit about what you do? Yeah, of course. My name is Drew King. And uh, first off, let me just say this. Uh, it's an honor to be on here when I got your text the other day. Uh, it was uh, it was an honor. So I just want to say thank you. That um, For sure. You know, I, uh, I enjoy doing podcasts and getting interviewed. And so, you know, I was waiting for my opportunity on this one. Yeah, this is just the beginning. <laughs> I'm just kidding. This is my very first podcast. <laughs> So uh, anyway, thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Definitely. And uh, so what do I do? Uh, as chief business officer, um, I know we'll probably get to my background, uh, which is in business before coming to ministry. But uh, so our lead pastor of, of Celebration Church, he really wanted someone with business background, business experience to help um, him and our CFO just work together on, on the business aspects within the church. And so, you know, Celebration Church is a large church. We're, we're constantly looking to expand and grow. Obviously, along with that become, you know, come leases and contracts and building projects and, and all of those things. And so I kind of provide um, some, some experience in that realm. And then also, uh, as you've been a part of, we have a marketplace ministry, a ministry for our business people. Yeah, and uh, you know we feel it's important at the church for everyone to get you know involved in community at the church. And so, uh, until I you know came on staff a few years ago, we didn't have anything for our business people. And you know, believe it or not, as you know, business people they do want to get connected in their church and uh, have something maybe even specifically for them. And so, uh, I head up our marketplace ministry uh, as well. So those are a, a couple of things that I. That I do just a few, yes. Just a few, yeah. Um, and and like I said, super stoked to have you on the show. And and just to kind of tie back on the marketplace ministry thing, because I'm really big on it. I love going to that group. Um, and so for the audience, like if you live in Jacksonville, I would definitely recommend checking it out. And the reason for that is because, and Drew, you, you might agree, is that as business people or entrepreneurs, oftentimes because of culture we separate, like if we have a secular business uh, or a predominantly secular business, we think it's a separate platform than our ministry. Mm -hmm. So it's like on church on Sunday, we'll focus mm -hmm. on our relationship with God, but throughout the week, this has nothing to do with it. Um, and that's yeah. not the case. Like everything we do, I believe is for God and through him. And so uh, the marketplace ministry allows you to kind of help in your mind, like blend the two because it really should be blended, right? Like in our business place, even if we don't run a church, yeah. Um, we, we should run the business sort of in a way that glorifies God. Yeah. And so, uh, no, you're exactly right. We're not just Christians on Sunday. Yeah. You know, I mean, God has placed us specifically in our jobs as Christians, in our jobs, whoever our employer is or whatever business we have, you know, I believe it's, it's from him. And so, you know, that certainly gives a different perspective of, of how we should wake up and, and handle our business Monday through Friday. Uh, yeah. so rather than separation, it's important. Definitely. And when you remember that, uh, 
and we'll get into the questions, but just, just to kind of press in on this topic, um, when you remember that every day, I believe that it calls for excellence. Yeah. Right? Like when you remember that what you do isn't just for like to turn a profit necessarily or, or to glorify yourself by having a successful practice or mm-hmm. uh, to make your parents proud or something like yes. that. When you realize that it's so much more and it's like for an eternal purpose, yeah. I think, at least in my opinion, when I'm reminded of that, I work way harder. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's just a way bigger yeah. thing, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, we you know we should as Christians we should want to be excellent in everything that we do because we're representing you know Jesus wherever we go and whatever we put our hands to, and then secondly, if you believe in the the Great Commission, then you recognize that wherever you are, whoever like your sphere of influence or people that come into your store or your practice, people you come into into contact with every single day, that you know you can represent your faith to that person. Yeah. And, uh, and that's important. Um, and so, anyway, just another way to look at the business and how you go about it every day. Yeah. yeah. We, I feel like we could have a whole other conversation about that. I'll come back. Yeah, we'll do another one um, for sure. Um, so, second question for you, man, because yeah. I know a lot about your background simply because I've been in the Marketplace Ministries and we've spent some time together. Um, but for the audience, you know, who at this point only knows you full-time ministry, tell them about uh, what brought you here. So, I guess give us sort of the trajectory from college yeah. until now. Sure, yeah, absolutely. I went to University of Kansas. I, I was a swimmer there, so I swam all four years. And then had a fifth year of school, and my major uh, was sports management. So my dream company to work for was Nike. And it just so happens at that time, uh, Nike was looking to hire a student part-time on campus to be a rep for them. Nice. So uh, interview, got the job, and so I was on a paid internship with Nike for, uh, I guess, two years. Went from uh, Lawrence, Kansas to Cleveland, and then from there, I landed a job down here in Jacksonville. So that's what got me down here 20 years ago now. I worked in minor league sports, so I was, worked for a hockey team here in town, so I got into sales, essentially. And uh, then I spent uh, just one year with uh, in sports, and then I spent the next five years with Hershey Chocolate. I was a sales rep uh, with them. It's where I met my wife now of 15 years. Awesome. And uh, we were both sales reps. So anyway, I spent five years with Hershey between uh, Orlando, Jacksonville, and uh, spent two years with them in their corporate headquarters uh, in Pennsylvania. But um, always, always wanted to start something of my own. And uh, had an opportunity back in 2004 to leave Hershey and uh, move back to Jacksonville. Always wanted to get back. Uh, and uh, so I started a, a, a sleep disorders testing center here in Jacksonville. I, sur- I ran that from 2004 to 2009. Uh, I merged that with a national company uh, in 2009. I got named president of now that merged, that larger company. And so I ran that for, gosh, two years till 2011. And uh, stepped down after two years. Uh, took a little bit of time. You could call it semi-retired at 35, uh, but after a year, I was I was bored, and uh, I was ready to, to kind of get back into the workforce. And um, that's when uh, the lead pastor, Celebration, Pastor Stovall, gave me a call and said, "Hey, why don't you pray about coming on staff at Celebration?" So though I didn't see that coming, and I can't tell you that that's 100% what I wanted to do because I'm a business guy. I love the corporate world. Yeah. I love because I do love evangelism. I liked working in places where, like we were talking about before, I was kind of a represent, you know, representative of Jesus, you know, in the marketplace. And uh, and so I was kind of blindsided by that 
call to come on staff. Uh, but uh, I told him I pray about it, and then two days after that, God spoke to me in a powerful way and said, "No, this is what I have for you." So I wasn't going to say no. Yeah, took that, and uh, so I came on full time at the church about five years ago. Awesome. And you, uh, like leading up to the lead pastor reaching out to you and offering you the job, you had you had been leading a form of ministry, right? You guys, had, you and your wife had group a group. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So uh, even though I wasn't working for the church, we'd always been heavily you know, involved in serving in different areas. We were in kids for a number of years and my wife and I started a freedom group at the church, which we ran, which it grew to, you know, I don't know, five, 600 people. And, uh, so we're heavily involved. Yeah. You know, in the church for, for those years leading up to come on staff. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, the, my next thought is, is like, cause there's probably a lot of business people that are Christians that from time to time maybe feel passionate about you know passionate enough about their faith where they maybe question like am I called to ministry because I love mm-hmm. maybe the experience of church and I know I spend enough time in church where I begin to think like about you know just the way that my my mind works like, oh we could we could do this better and do I have a place here because of the way I think and and so I know there's a lot of people out there that sometimes they'll question that and they'll make that leap of faith mm-hmm. um, or maybe they'll get saved as a business person and think that, okay, now I need to switch entirely to this different sphere of influence and this different platform. And so um, h- how did you know that it was 100% time to switch? Yeah, yeah. Uh, great question. So for me, um, when I was asked to pray about it, you know, obviously God spoke to me in a powerful way, you know, two mornings later in my personal Devo time. So for me, it was loud and clear that this is it. I was given an opportunity by the lead pastor. And so I just needed to pray and see if this is what God had, God had for me. And so the answer for me was yes. However, what I would say is this, because I meet, a, I meet a lot of business guys that, uh, that shared that exact same example that you just gave. They, they maybe get saved or they're in the church and they're fighter for the Lord and they just want to serve Him. And so they kind of wrestle with that question. So what I would say is this. I would say um, you, you, uh, you have to know that you're being called, which is separate from, man, I'm just excited and I just love the church. And yeah. I think it'd be so cool to work for the church. Um, it, it's, a, it's a calling. In fact... You know, there was a moment in my life, I mentioned I worked for Hershey, and so when I first went up to their corporate headquarters, you know, I spent about a two-year stint up there, and it was kind of known to be like you know, heavy investment. You're talking, you know, get in the office at 6.30, and you, you don't leave before 8 p.m., Monday through Friday and yeah. some Saturday morning. So pretty, you know, pretty significant time there, a lot of pressure working with CEO and, and on a number of projects, and so just a lot, of, a lot of work and a lot of pressure. And so there was a time in my life where I was questioning all right, do I, do I really want to continue doing this or maybe is ministry for me? Because I was a Christian at that time. I love the ministry. I, you know, I thought maybe at some point I go to it years down the road. Um, and so in that moment, I, I thought, gosh, maybe this is the time to get out of this situation I'm in now. It might be time for me to go into ministry. So I called the guy who led me to Jesus, a mentor of mine. And I, you know, laid out my, you know, issues I was having at that time. And I said, hey, you know, might there be an opportunity with your Christian organization for me to come join you? And he, he just said, without hesitation, he said, Drew, you never get into the ministry to get out of something else. You get in the ministry because you are called to the ministry. And so I heeded that advice yeah. and I, you know, put my nose back, back to the ground and, uh, 
you know, work things out. And I didn't end up getting the ministry until 10 years later. Um, and wow. so it's, uh, it's definitely a, a calling. On the flip side, the other thing that I, I share with folks that maybe have interest in ministry is the awareness of some of the stats today, meaning there are more churches closing today than opening. There are fewer people willing to walk into a church today than ever before. I read a stat six months ago that three out of every 10 uh, under 30, three out of every 10 people under 30, you know, say that faith is an important part of their life. And so if that's the case, and that's a very small number, and if fewer are willing to even walk into church, um, I don't know how Christianity grows. And if we should want it to grow if we believe it's really yeah. the truth. Other than making sure that Monday through Friday, like, Friday, like we were talking about before, is that we're not focused on driving our numbers up. We're not focused on, you know, make enough money so we can buy the next size house. We're, we're, we are representing Jesus in the marketplace, you know, because people are going to, you know, if they recognize, if they see Jesus in you, then, you know, that's, that's evangelism there. Yeah. And they may, may very well be more willing to join you in church than they would have if they didn't meet you before that. And so for me, I believe it's incredibly important that if you're fired up for Jesus, that, you know, you stay in the marketplace yeah. because you're needed in the marketplace. Yeah. So anyway, just a few thoughts there. Might be another show as well. That's great, man. Um, I don't think the answer could get much better than that. I so, mean, so just to sum it up, um, you don't get into ministry to get out of something else. Exactly. Um, and I think probably one misconception is that uh, it's an easy job. Yeah. And so spiritually, I'm sure it's heavy, but then you've got to put the work in. Yeah. Like anything else, it has to it has to grow. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Ministry is not an, not an easy road, yeah. you know. Uh, it's not it's not well people that come to church yeah you know it's uh, it's it's you know people who are you know hurting and and you know it's one of the ways that Jesus draws them to himself yeah and uh, and so you know at the same time I, I, I'm blessed you know because I with my business background I mean I do get to work with you know the business people within the church for the most part and uh, and I love that uh, because I, I get to speak their language or my prior language so yeah. to speak so it's a good fit for me. That's awesome. Yeah. And no, I, I, now as a, um, so you have an entrepreneurial spirit, mm -hmm. right? You, mm -hmm. you always have, even as a leader in larger organizations, I think you probably always felt tugged mm -hmm. to, to your own thing. And um, we know that the church has a mission statement and set values and a vision, but does Pastor Drew King, like, do you have a, a personal mission statement, set values that you follow, maybe read every day, um, vision statement, anything like that? Uh, it, it's embarrassing. The answer is no, actually. Okay. I, I don't. I mean, not that I have written down, not that I read on my mirror or anything like that. I think what drives me that I do think about quite regularly is really at the end of my days, all I want to hear is well done, good and faithful servant. You know, I've been a Christian for 25 years now. And, uh, and so that has always driven me. And so when opportunities have come my way, you know, whether it's to go speak here or a new job or whatever, you know, I, I pray about it, of course, you know, but I, I just, each and every day, you know, I think about, man, I just want to hear well done, good and faithful service. Yeah. So in a way, I guess it is one. It's just not on my mirror. Huh? Right, right. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. I mean, if that's all you were to remind yourself of every day, you would, you would operate out of excellence, mm -hmm. I would imagine. Mm -hmm. um, so, 
what I know this is probably just an open-ended or maybe even a loaded question, but what does it take to run a successful church? And what is success defined as in your mind? Yeah, great question. Thankfully, I am just one piece of, you know, because our church is a very large church. We've got, you know, three locations here in Jacksonville, one in Amelia Island. We've got two in Orlando, one in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, one in Paris and 18 in Zimbabwe. So, just a few. Uh, sorry, sorry, and Washington, D.C. Uh, as well, and a, and a family church in Baltimore. So, uh, anyway, so we, we, we have a lot of, you know, one church, many rooms, or many locations. And so it takes, um, it takes great leadership. We have a great leader uh, with our lead pastor. And then, you know, he's designed on the leadership team. And so I think. I think there's not too many um, differences between you know running of a great company, of course, and, and a great church. Uh, you know, you both have you know a PL you have to manage. You know, your your quote income or revenue might be coming from different sources in the church world. Obviously, it's tithers money, but um, but I think it rises and falls with with leadership. And so the way our pastor has set it up, I mean, you you put in. Um, you, you analyze your team and their giftings, and then you put those people so that they can operate in, in the gifts that God has given them. And uh, so I'm thankful that I get to be just one piece of, of a leadership team that uh, we all work well together and get to operate in our, in our gifts. Definitely. Yeah. So running a successful church mm-hmm. is the same thing as running a successful mm-hmm. business. Uh, very similar, yeah. Um, you just kind of have a bigger target on your back, uh-huh. I'd imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, spiritually, yeah. <laughs> for, for the audience. Anyways, um, so like, how heavily would you weigh culture within the organization uh, as, it, as it pertains to the company? For example, with us, mm-hmm. we know, um, and our culture is a, is a product of what I believe to be our communication within the organization. We're smaller, obviously. Um, we've got 22 people on staff. But as, I, as we grow, one thing that I've always recognized as like imperative is how well we communicate, is how well our culture is, and then how well our culture is, is how well our business runs. Mm-hmm. Would you say it's the same thing? A- absolutely. We've got cultural values that, uh, you know, that we do have on our walls around the offices, uh, around the office. Um, but again, not too dissimilar. I mean, culture is, is huge. In fact, we, were, we had about a two and a half year period where we moved out of our offices, and we were we were mobile again for about two and a half years. So we had most of our staff working out of their homes, and you know we'd come together weekly to have kind of like that staff meeting. Um, but over that two and a half period, you, we could feel the culture you know begin to slip, and we were already 15 years yeah. old by then. Um, so you'd think the culture was established, but a church our size, I mean, we're, we're growing. We're, we're adding staff. We added a lot of staff during that time period. Well, how does a new staffer, a 22-year-old college graduate, yeah. come on to staff? And, you know, you've heard it said before that, you know, culture is caught, not taught. Well, how does somebody catch it who's new on staff if they're working out of their house? Oh, well, yeah. So, uh, so anyway... You know, it was a long two and a half years. Uh, we, we did our best during that time to like speak on our cultural values, you know, when we did come together to try and, you know, make sure that they stayed there. But, you know, I will tell you that once we got back into our offices, you know, a year and a half ago, it has, you know, it's fully returned and, and the synergy is now, you know, better than it ever has been. Yeah, communication's but, uh, easier. Everything, everything. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's so funny, like, you know how many, well, you know, meetings 
are so impromptu sometimes. How, how nice is it to be able to like, you know, walk down the hall, like you just have a quick question or maybe you need a five minute conversation. For some reason, it's a heck of a lot easier to just walk down the hall, pop your head in and have that five minute conversation than it is to pick up the phone, try and catch the yep. other person. Next Thursday. Yeah, all that Starbucks stuff. Starbucks at so, 12. Yeah, yeah. for so, five minutes. It's uh, culture's huge, of course. Definitely. Um, so uh, being a leader within a church organization, um, what is some of the, if any, common criticism that you receive or that maybe you deal with directly in your uh, influence, I guess, yeah. in your area? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I mean, I guess generally I'll say this. All churches have, you know, complaints about them, so to speak. You know, yeah. I mean, when, when you have a church of our size and even small churches, are there people that would love to see things run differently? Would they love to see a greater emphasis on X rather than Y? Of course. Um, and so, you know, those things those things just happen and you, you answer them. And, and, you know, we do, I, I can tell you this, like pastor, our lead pastor and our senior team, we work hard and we do the very best we can to follow God and his, his vision, his plan, his anointing on the church. And not everybody is going to agree with that, and then that's fine. Maybe God's calling them to another church. But what I can tell you is, we're not going to, we're not going to be swayed by, you know, someone who, even if they're a, a top giver, so to speak, and they want to see something, you know, implemented here, you know, truthfully, if it's not God's vision for the church, then then we're just not going to do it. You yeah. know, we want to, you know, we're first and foremost, we're going to honor, you know, what He wants our church to look like. Um, and so when you when you kind of live by that, then. You know, you can you can speak confidently and strongly about you know how, the reasons why you're following God in, in those ways, and people are going to either get on board or, or, or they're not. Uh, but that's all we can do. And I wouldn't think that the church would want us to be swayed in any other yeah, ways yeah. or respond to you know complaints or something like that. Yeah. But, uh, but we, we we do the best we can at the same time to be pastoral in every way that we can. And this isn't pastoral items. You know, truthfully, if there's a need, we want to meet it. We we have huge pastoral staff we just we have a lot of staff to try and meet the needs of our congregation as large as it is to do the very best we can to to meet their needs at the same time so um anyway just doing doing the best we can yeah just doing the best we can so you respond by to criticism by just making sure you're doing the best you can yeah definitely um and so for the audience respectfully of course, oh, there's always a way you respond. respond. Of course, yeah, yeah. you don't like of ignore course. it. Like we're doing of the course. best we can. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm sure there's enough cards you guys have to respond to yeah. uh, on a on a regular basis. Um, so for the audience, uh, and especially for those of you that, uh, or for the people that are that are watching that are mm-hmm. um, passionate about their relationship with God, mm-hmm. but they're in the business world. Uh, maybe even they have thoughts about getting involved in ministry. Um, what are what are three to five takeaways you would you would have uh, for those people? Sort of blank statements. Yeah, uh, you know that kind of goes along with like mission. You know, like what's what's God's mission or God's purpose for my life? Like we get a, I get asked that question as a pastor a lot. You know, whether it's someone in business or maybe a you know someone in college or whatever, they're just kind of looking. And so, you know, what I would say is this. I firmly believe that God has a has a has a plan and a purpose for everybody's life. He's He's uniquely gifted and wired them to accomplish something, and they will be most fulfilled on planet Earth if they are walking in that purpose that God has for them. So, really, the question is, how do I how do I make sure that I'm walking in that? And so, what I would say is, man, make sure that you are uh, 
what I like to say is three things. Number one, that you're in the Word on a regular basis. You know, I recommend daily. Does it happen for me daily? No. Do I miss days? Like, we don't all get to the gym every day. We sometimes miss days. But generally, get in the Word on a Speak daily basis. Yourself. I'm just kidding. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, we can tell you don't miss a day. <laughs> Uh, and then secondly, so, so get in the Word. Secondly is be a person of worship. You know, I love worship. And so I listen to worship music on my phone when I'm working out or when I'm in my office. I have it on in the background. And so I'm just kind of in God's presence in that way uh, on a like daily basis. Um, uh, and then just be a person of prayer, you know, at the same time. And so I firmly believe that if you're doing those th- three things, you're a person of prayer, you're in the Word, and you're kind of in His presence through worship, that, um, you know, you're, you're not going to miss it. You know, if God has an assignment for you or, or he wants to call you into ministry, you're not going to miss it. Do you run into potential, you know, danger of missing it if you're not, you know, kind of plugged into the vine, so to speak? Yeah, I think so. And so for me, like if you're kind of putting God first and you're doing those things and, you, you know, you'll hear God's voice, the opportunity will come, he'll confirm it. And, uh, and so that kind of goes back to calling. It's not just a, hey, I'm thinking about getting into what does this look like for me. If you're doing those things, which you should be doing just as a Christian anyway, not even just someone who maybe would like to get into ministry, you should be doing those three things on a you know, daily basis anyway, regular basis. Then you will, um, you'll hear God's voice and he will guide your steps. And ultimately that will lead to, in my opinion, the most fulfilling life that you can have on, on this earth. That's good. Um, and uh, one takeaway from me, just to add on to that, is um, uh, Christian influence. What's the word I'm looking for? Friends. Um, okay. Surroundings. Yeah. Environment. Uh-huh. Uh, there was one word I was looking for, and it wasn't any of those. But um, as a Christian in the marketplace, it can be easy to uh, get bogged down with the worries of the world, especially when you're a leader. Um, you're worrying about all your people, but then of course your relationship with God, but also paying your bills and maybe your family, your uh, outside relationships mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, so one of the things that's helped me the most, and I think you would agree, is just mm-hmm. surrounding myself. Like all my friends aren't Christians. I don't think yeah. all of your friends should right. be Christians. No, agreed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a pastor one time said, if you don't have one friend who uses the F word too much, then you're not, you don't have enough secular friends. And I'm not going to say his name, but you would probably guess who it is. Um, but, uh, but surrounding yourself yeah. with a good, healthy Christian influence, especially Christian businessmen. Yes. And so like one thing that I try to do, I have a handful of friends, Alex Sanfilippo, he was on episode five or four, I think. Um, friends like that, that keep yeah. me like... Mm-hmm remind me of what it looks like to be a Christian in the marketplace because I don't always look in the mirror and, and look like the guy I need to. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, and so that would be one of my recommendations is just if you don't have a couple friends that are Christians in the, in the marketplace, begin to, to look for those. Don't be obnoxiously weird about it, but maybe maybe join a group or, or be intentional about it. Um, two more questions yeah. and sure. then we'll close this up. One, one question that I really like is if you could put anything on a billboard for everyone to see driving down the highway to uh-huh. 295 or I-95 or something like that, what would it be? What would it say? Uh, well, as a pastor, uh, I'm, I'm going to go scripture. I'm not going to go John 3.16 because <laughs> that's, on, that's on enough billboards already. But, uh, you know, a, a, a verse that, uh, that has meant a lot to me over the years is actually John 10.10. 10. 
And that verse says, uh, says that um, the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the enemy's plan. He hates God and he hates God's creation, which is us. And so he's come to steal, kill, and destroy. Thankfully, the, the verse doesn't stop there. Uh, it goes on to say, and this is Jesus' words, he says, But I have come to give life and life to the fullest, or life abundantly. And so, you know, my hope would be that, um, you know, that would be an encouragement to someone driving down 95 who is a believer. Um, because, you know, believe or not believer, this, this life has a way of packing on the pain. And so as a Christian, you know, it's helped to, helpful to have that reminder that that's, you know, one of the things that Jesus has come to give. And then secondly, for a non-believer, if they happen to look up and maybe they're struggling, then uh, they can see Jesus' words himself. That, uh, that he's come to give life and life abundantly, that, that we are not here just to you know, take on 75 years of pain and uh, go you know, crawling across the finish line on our hands and knees, just barely <laughs> making it. Like he's actually come to give us an abundant life and we can tap into it. You know, does it take something on our end to do that? Yeah. Absolutely, but it's, it's there for us. So anyway, that's, uh, that's what I would put on a love on it. board. I would love to see that versus some of the other stuff that's on billboards these for days. Sure. For on sure. On I-95. Yes. Um, and last question, man. If you could choose uh, any three books mm-hmm. that you had to choose your whole life, that you could only read three books, what would it be? Um, man, that's a great question. Aside from the Bible. Aside from the Bible. Okay. Because that would be number one, of course. So uh, a shaping book for me years ago was uh, a book called Know Why You Believe uh, by Little, L-I-T-T-L-E. I think his name's Paul Little. Uh, and the reason why I really got into that book and benefited from that book is, you know, it's one thing to like, you know, raise your hand in church and maybe become a Christian or, you know, re- commit or recommit your life to Jesus. That's one thing. And then to become a regular church attender. But you really need to, you know, you need to know why you believe. And so... Uh, that book is kind of like a, an apologetics type book that I just found uh, beneficial for me when I read it, I don't know, 20 years ago. So I think every Christian should read it or one similar. Um, and so it's not just an emotional decision that, that one makes, but, uh, but you actually you know, know the, the archaeological uh, findings that back up you know, the Bible, historical that back up the Bible and that sort of thing. So that awesome. would be one. Um, Let's see, what else has had, uh, I'll give you one that I read uh, in this past year. It's actually called Extreme Ownership. Have you read it? I haven't. Okay. It's uh, written by uh, Jocko Willink. Uh, he was a Navy SEAL. Heard about it. There we go. Yeah. And, uh, and man, I think I, I, I've always been fascinated by the SEALs. You know, like if there's a documentary on the SEALs, it's I'm watching. willpower. Watching. And uh, so anyway, so like I've always been fascinated by the SEALs and, and it's, it's not a Christian book. It's, it's a book for business people. He and another SEAL do business consulting uh, now for, for companies across the country. And, uh, and so what he takes is kind of like uh, SEAL examples, SEAL kind of values, and then helps uh, organizations. And really, you know, the title is Extreme Ownership. And so one of the things that I loved about it and I would recommend for any team leader any business owner is to have your entire team read it because it's tough to read that book and not like if you know i think it can be human nature you never like when you make a mistake and you're worried about the finger being pointed at you or whatever and you know it's just i think we live in a blaming society you know well if tommy would have done this or if susie would have done that and that's why i found myself in my in, in this position yeah. and that's why like i dropped the ball here or whatever 
Like you very, you very rarely just hear someone say, that's on me. I'll take ownership of that. And, uh, and I think organizations will, will be healthier, communication will be better, and I think ultimately performance is going to be better when you have everyone taking ownership over every aspect of what they've been given. And that's in the, you know, hey, that's praise if you've done something well, and if there's a mistake that's been made, it's raising your hand and saying, look, this is on me. Yeah. I'll do better next time. That's awesome. So that was a, you know, still read the book. I know I gave a summary of it, but still read the book. And then uh, a third one, I would say, um, I'm going to go off course here, and this might just be for sports fans out there. One of my favorite books <laughs> of all time is uh, Open by Andre Agassi. And what is that? I have no idea. So I, I grew up in the, I'm, I'm 43 years old and uh, a child of the 80s, so to speak. I'm, I'm a sports fan. So like, if I'm not reading leadership or Bible, I do like, I love autobiographies. And uh, so whether it's, you know, typically it's Christian autobiographies. Like I read another book about a, a seal who uh, became a Christian. Uh, so that was fascinating. So anyway, I just love autobiographies of, of, of athletes primarily. And, um, and so I read uh, Andre Agassi's a number of years ago. Again, I, being a sports guy, I did like him. He was kind of my favorite tennis player throughout the years. And uh, so he wrote a book a number of years ago called Open. And it is, if, if you're a tennis fan at all, not, you don't even have to be a tennis fan. If you're just kind of like an athlete fan, it's worth the read. Uh, he touches on his faith, so it's not a faith book. But, uh, but it was funny. It was actually laugh out loud, a funny funny story so like I I was in chapter one and I my wife was sitting next to me on an airplane and I just start laughing because it was something funny you know I just I just laughed at it my wife was like what's so funny and and, uh, and so I was like oh just a story we'll read it I don't even think she knows who Andre, Andre Agassi is well just read it so I read it to her well, she starts laughing she's like well, we'll keep going I'm like okay so I read you know <laughs> story read time. The next yeah and so the truth is, over like the next three weeks, I read that entire book out loud to my wife. You know, like, that's amazing. Yeah. So she she didn't want me to stop, and I, you know, so anyway, it, you know, it took about three weeks. You know, reading it night before bed or whatever, but uh, ended up reading the whole thing. So it was an entertaining read, fun read um, at the same time. So anyway, awesome. Side tip: If you're married, read your wife a book. Um, <laughs> read together. Read together. Baby. That's exactly right. Um, that's so, exactly right. Awesome, man. Well, Drew, I really appreciate having you on the show. Um, that's everything that I have for you. Guys, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you were able to learn something from it, maybe be inspired from it. Um, and make sure that if you're watching this and you haven't already, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, leave a review on the podcast if you love this show. And make sure to leave comments for anything that you want to learn about or hear more about. Um, if you have any comments for Pastor Drew or myself, leave them in the uh, in the YouTube comment section. We'll make sure to get back to you guys. Really, really appreciate you tuning in. And uh, until next time, have an awesome day.